Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. dig a little bit deeper on one idea, and we're going to cover this for the next two weeks. It's something that probably affects our relationships more than any other topic. It affects them when we don't give this. It affects them when we do. It is what would probably allow them uh, the most health and um, kind of the fruit of commitment. What we're going to be talking about today is the idea of forgiveness, of forgiveness, and I'll have to admit, this has been a really rough week for me. Um, when I think about, and, and Candy and I talked about this when we went into the retreat at the end of August. I was like, Candy, we don't need to be naive that the enemy's just going to kind of let us blow through this and, and families are going to be healthier and, and people are going to start walking in freedom. Like, we don't need to be ignorant that the devil's just going to tuck his tail and run. That's not going to be the case. And sure enough, we made it like four weeks through this series. And after the panel, man, it just started hitting us. It started hitting my family. Um, not just like small things. It started hitting us at Kiko. I got accused of breaking federal law for what I do in the club. I mean, all kinds of random stuff. Um, you know, personally, just accusations against my character. I mean, you name it, right? To illnesses in my whole house. Like, just it was just one of those weeks, you know. And, and uh, I still have to get called into the principal's office with another club next week uh, because they didn't like what we're talking about uh, regarding our curriculum with with how prejudice is prejudging others and how we can break down some of these walls. And so I'm still in the fallout of my week this last week. And, and I know that that is just one example of a lot of stuff going on in this house, right? How many of you know that when we begin to step out in health and in freedom and in transparency, that the enemy's not going to just roll over and allow us to walk in that. We shouldn't be naive, amen, that he's just going to say, oh, okay, yeah, you're going to walk in freedom. Yeah, okay, I'll let you do that. No, we should expect that he's going to come against us. We should expect that he's going to come against our mind, our emotions, uh, us physically, everything about us. I believe that the enemy, I just want to, I kind of want to say that because I don't want you to be ignorant of the devil's schemes. And that's what Paul talks about, that we aren't ignorant of what he's doing, but instead we should be aware. We should be able to shine the light on his dark schemes and say, hey, we, we see what you're up to. And rather than rolling over and quitting, we're going to say, God, you must be doing something great. And I think that this is where we're going to go into today as we talk about forgiveness, is continuing to really open up our hearts and to walk in the freedom that he has for us. You know, when I think about the topic of forgiveness, I really think that we probably all deal with this, except maybe one person, because the only person who ever married someone perfect is my spouse, right? And so she's never had to deal with this. But no, so in all seriousness, we realize is anyone perfect? Absolutely not. No one's perfect, right? Including the guy with the microphone, maybe especially the guy with the microphone. Especially, thanks, thanks peanut gallery that I drive home with. But instead, what we realize is that everyone has hurt somebody and everyone has been hurt by someone. We all have been in this process of needing forgiveness and needing to extend and give forgiveness. And we're going to look through this today of how this has, can damage our relationships, how we can, we can hurt one another with the things we say, um, with the things we do or don't do, that we all set ourselves up. And, and I want us to talk about, and, and as we discuss forgiveness, some legitimate concerns about it, some ideas that even get linked to forgiveness that end up in the ingredients in our recipe box that we include for forgiveness that really have nothing to do with it. 
And I want us to unlink some of those ideas today as we talk about this. And so I've got my, I've got our little, uh, our, our, we're going to mix some stuff up in my mixing bowl. I got a new uh, stir stick here. Y'all like my forky kids? Yeah, how about that? Yeah. Forky going to stir up some stuff for forgiveness today. But some of the things that we automatically assume about forgiveness is that it's a sign of weakness. That if I forgive, I'm showing that I'm weak. I'm showing that, um, that, that I'm giving them permission to even do it again. That if I forgive, that I'm even saying that it's okay what they did and that there's no consequences. And these aren't always true. And, and even some things, some unhealthy ideas, some healthy ideas that we associate with forgiveness is that not ideas associated with forgiveness are actually helpful and that we should even talk about them. But some of them will be really helpful for today as we talk about our relationships with our brothers and sisters, with our moms and dads, with our spouses, whatever it may be. We're going to see how, how critical it is to maintain that bond of unity through forgiveness. And forgiveness is really, um, is really the fruit of how I can show commitment, of how I can even display loyalty, because we all are going to let each other down. We're all going to be vulnerable to hurting one another. But forgiveness is the great expression of love and commitment. And forgiveness takes courage. I think that, that as we mentioned that, that forgiveness is a sign of weakness, I think forgiveness is exactly the opposite. I think it takes the bigger man, so to speak, to say, I forgive you even when I've been wounded by you. And I'm releasing you, not saying that I forget what you've done, but I'm choosing not to hold that against you. And that's hard, isn't it, sometimes? I want you to watch this real quick as we talk about forgiveness today. Watch this video as you turn your eyes to the screen. Talking about the power of forgiveness. And in my mind, forgiveness is the most Christ-like thing that we can do, that we can offer. Why do I say that? Let's talk about who God is as we look at this. Psalm 145.8 says this, that the Lord is gracious and compassionate. We're talking about our God. He's slow to anger and he's rich in love. Look at what Micah, the prophet Micah, says in chapter 7. Verse 18, he says, Who is a God like you who pardons sins and forgives the transgressions of the remnant of his inheritance? You don't stay angry forever, but delight. What God really wants to show is mercy. And in verse 19, he says, You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. You know, when I think about forgiveness, I, I mean, I'm just going to be honest with you. This isn't in my notes, but a couple of months ago, it had been years after the incident happened. We were having a, a family fun day out in the front lawn, and the high schoolers were helping with the kids. And we were playing this game, and I, I don't know exactly what the details were, but I know soap or shaving cream or something was involved. And it ended up that one of the teenagers got it in a kid's eye. And I can't remember if it was my kid and that's why I overreacted or I just overreacted in general. But I knew as soon as I, I was the youth pastor at the time, as soon as I started coming against the teenager that had done it, just being silly, just, just acting like a teenager, as soon as I started saying something, I knew I was saying it in the wrong spirit. I knew I was saying it in the wrong tone. But I couldn't stop. You ever been there? You, you start to say something that's not right, but you just got to keep on going and you keep on going. And, and that was me right here in the front lawn of this church. I fast forward a couple years later because I'll have to admit, I think it really impacted my relationship with that teenager. And I ended up meeting with him. Now he was out of, he was graduated from high school and I had already met with um, his parents and confessed and just asked for forgiveness because I, I felt like it had breached a relationship. 
But I knew that I wanted to make it right. I wanted to make amends. And so I met with them, and, and sure enough, it, it had bothered them since that, that occurrence. They had tried to let it go, but here I was finally trying to own up to that. And then I met with that teen who now um, had, had gone off um, after, after high school, had come back, and, and I was having an opportunity to hopefully make some restoration. And, and they acted like it was nothing, and they forgave me freely. And they're even in this room right now. But I knew that if I was going to walk in the love and grace that God had given me, then I had to not only ask for it when I needed it, but I needed to be able to give it when people had wronged me. And sometimes that's really hard to eat that humble pie, isn't it? Sometimes it's really hard to own up to where, man, I messed up. And sometimes, I'll, I'll be honest, as, as leaders, we, we should put them on a higher pedestal, but it doesn't mean that they're going to be any more perfect than you guys. But I, hopefully you'll see that if... if if I'm going to follow Christ, it's not going to be, hey, follow me as I follow Christ because I'm perfect, but follow me as I follow Christ and watch how even when I'm wrong, I'll repent. How even when I'm wrong, I'll ask for forgiveness. That even when I'm in my imperfection, choose to ask and extend grace when I need it. Because we're all going to need it, aren't we? Let's look at the life of Joseph together because I think this is one of the greatest stories in the Scripture that give us a reflection of Christ but also God's ability to work in and through all humanity to see redemption on various levels. The story of Joseph, it's probably one of the most beautiful stories for me. But you know how the story starts. Then God said to Jacob, go up to Bethel and settle there. Build an altar there to God who appeared to you when you were fleeing from your brother Esau. And so Jacob, he said to his household and to all who were with him, get rid of all the foreign gods you have with you and purify yourselves and change your clothes. And then come up to Bethel, he says in verse 3. And while they're there, here they are, they're settling in this land. I'm going to fast forward to verse 5. It says, Then they set out, and the terror of God fell on all the towns around them, so that no one pursued them. And, and as the Scripture continues, we see that jo um, Joseph is a part of this cohort with Jacob that is set out, and he begins to receive these revelations from God. He begins to um, receive these promises. Do you remember the, the, the dreams that he had? as they're set out in this land and all the, all the terror of God is falling on the people around him, that, that Joseph has these dreams of these sheaves bowing down to his sheaf, right? That, that, the, that he would be the greatest among his brothers and that they would worship him. But what Joseph didn't realize, that as he shares these dreams, possibly prematurely, possibly with the wrong people in general, that there was a process to get Joseph where he needed to be positionally, that I don't think he ever expected the journey to include what it did. And what I mean is, is Joseph didn't recognize that the path and that process to get to a palace would include a pit. How many of you kids remember the story of Joseph? What happened? What did his brothers do to him? Do you remember? Any, any kids remember? Abby, you remember? What do his brothers do to him? They don't, like, they don't like him. They think he's better. They're like, you think you're better than us? What, what do they do to him? You remember? They do. They throw him in a pit. And then what happens to him? He ends up being sold as a what? As a slave, that's right. And so that's where we find him. We find him as a slave in Egypt, right? But believe it or not, God used all of these really terrible circumstances that were happening for Joseph to be exactly where he needed to be. And sometimes bad things happen to us, and we don't always understand why. And it doesn't mean God caused it, but it means that he can still use it. It means that he can still redeem it. It means that he can put us somewhere that we never thought we would be and we never thought this was the way we would get there, but now we're exactly where he wanted us. And that's what's really, really sweet, is that here Joseph is, 
And even, I don't know about you, I thought I had a bad week. It looks like Joseph's having a terrible one. I have nothing to compare there. And here he is. And Joseph has been taken down to Egypt. And Potiphar, an Egyptian, who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, brought him from the Ishmaelites and had taken him there. And so here he is serving God, even in this house, this secular house. And the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the Egyptian, with the Egyptian master. And he ends up being tempted with Potiphar's uh, wife to, to have a relationship with her that he wasn't supposed to have. And we know that he immediately tucked tail and ran, but she still decided to say that he had done something that he hadn't. Has anyone ever lied about you before? Has anyone ever misunderstood your intentions or what you were there for and, and decided to twist it? That's what's happening to Joseph. That was what was happening to him. And so here he was, after being accused, thrown back into a jail cell. So he's gone from the pit to the palace, back to a jail cell in a foreign country. And Joseph, this is still all part of the journey that God's going to redeem. But he's got to be willing in his heart to show something that's going to be really difficult. Because as he begins to use his gifts, does anybody know that he's in jail with a couple other guys? One's a baker, one's a cupbearer, and they start having dreams too. But what does Joseph help them out with? He helps them understand those dreams. He helps them understand what they mean. Some of them good, some of them bad, but he has that gift of being able to help them understand. And so immediately when they're in the house of Pharaoh again, those guys get let out. They're like, Pharaoh's had a dream. I know a guy when I was in jail that can help you with your dream. And so Joseph gets let out so that he can be esteemed again and elevated because he's using what God's given him, his gifts, his talents. And so Joseph, when he interprets Pharaoh's dream for him, he's then given that position of authority that he can help in the midst of this famine protect not only the Egyptians, but also provide something for the rest of the world. And that's where Joseph's brothers kind of come into play. Because Jacob sends his brothers, as you guys know, to the house of Egypt to get some food, and they don't even realize that they're before Joseph. So the brother that they had disowned literally cared nothing about, had, could care less what happened to him. Now, they are dependent upon him for their life and for their sustenance. Wow, the tables have turned. And so here Joseph is, not even being known by his brothers, but in a position of authority that he could literally say, you know what? No. You guys did that to me. I'm holding out on you. He could have easily done that, but instead he decided to make men's with his family. And probably one of the most difficult moments of Joseph's life because it's no longer about his leadership, it's about his heart. He was going to keep his leadership position regardless of what he did with these Israelites. But his heart was going to be forever changed if he extended or if he decided to stay. You know what? I'm not going to give forgiveness. I'm going to remain bitter. I have every right to. How many of you know sometimes our rights will keep us back from God's freedom? And Joseph could have said, man, I have every right to not forgive you and what you did to me. And how many of you, you've had, some of you kids, have you had someone probably make fun of you before, say things to you, even brothers and sisters that will get on your nerves, right? And you have every right to not say, hey, I'm, I'm not going to forgive them. They did that on purpose. But it's not going to affect them. It's going to affect you. It's going to affect your heart. And now that unforgiveness is going to keep your heart bound up. But God wants us to live in his freedom and to give something that we all need, and that's forgiveness. 
And I want us to transition quickly as we talk about forgiveness being one of the most Christ-like things that we could ever give. Let's talk about why Jesus even came. Why did Jesus even come to earth? What was the reason and purpose? Anybody, any guesses, for, especially from my kids' questers, why do you think Jesus even came to earth? Why did he? To help the people that were in need? That's a really good reason. Absolutely. Absolutely. What did he ultimately end up doing with his life? What did he, what did he do on, on that, what we would consider a terrible day for him, but a great day for us? Did he, he ended up dying, didn't he? Why did he do that? Oh, to stop sin. To stop sin. So Jesus, the very reason he came, check out this verse in Luke 19. It says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is the very reason he came. And I said something last week, and I think it, um, it, it, I could even be misunderstood if I didn't explain it. We exist to still seek and to save that which is lost. I don't know about you. At one point, I was very lost. And I'm so glad that God still used people that were a part of the body of Christ to still have a relationship and to seek and save me where I was at. And all of us have friends and family members that are very lost, that are very far from God. And to, get, to have them to become a part of the family is still the very purpose that we exist. It's still the reason that Jesus came. And the gospel writers tell us about that. But somebody tell me, one of the, especially one of the kids, how did God create forgiveness for us? What, what did he do? Does anybody, come on, this is pretty simple. You know it. What did he do? He died for us, right? And it was through that blood. That's what this next verse says. That this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. It was all about forgiveness. And this is what I love that we can build on is that what Christ did for us, he now wants to do in us and also offer through us. I want us to miss this, that what he did for us, he wants to do in us, but he doesn't want it to stop there. We don't want to dam up the wells of, of forgiveness within ourselves. He also wants to offer it through us. That's where we're going to not only experience the freedom and reconnection that he has for us and him, but also the freedom and reconnection that he has for us and others horizontally in this life. And so that's the redemption that he's doing that he's about right now. And so I'm going to get a couple of helpers. Let me see if I can get... Anybody want to help me with my recipes today? Any kids want to come up? All right, I'm going to hand you one. All right, there's one. You stay right there, and I'll call you up in just a second. I'm going to hand all these out. All right, there's two. I've got to remember where I'm giving these out. I'm going to forget. Okay, do you want to help me? Three, four, and we'll just go in order. I've got three more, and I can keep one if I've only got two. There we go. Yep, okay. And Abby, you'll be my last one. So let's talk about some of the ingredients that go into... Forgiveness. I don't know about you, but we have a, a little recipe box and we look in it and we're seeing uh, there's even some family recipes. Candy said, you should take out my family recipes. I don't want anybody uh, looking at the secrets, right? The, the family secrets there. Yeah, nothing pumpkin spice, I hope. It's probably no baked cookies, which there's no secret there. And so the things that sometimes we associate with forgiveness aren't always really a part of it. And I want us to look at some of these things, what forgiveness really is. You know, when someone hurts us, we think that, oh man, they owe me. I can even get even. What does your card say right there? Would you, come on, stand, stand up and bring that up here. Turn around, show everybody your card. It says that the ingredient here for forgiveness is what? Not getting even. 
Forgiveness is not getting even. You can drop that in there. And when we add this idea of I don't have to get even anymore, I can release that person from what they've done for me. And what is yours? You want to bring yours up? I'll read that one. You want to drop yours in the bowl? There we go. Good job. It says a canceled debt. A canceled debt. And, and I think that, that sometimes when we think that we are forgiving someone and we're not going to get even and we're even canceling that debt, we begin to mix it with some things that aren't always associated with forgiveness. And that's where our next one will go. What does your say? Forgetting. Ooh, forgetting. But is forgiveness really forgetting? I think sometimes we think, oh, I'm going to forgive and forget. But the truth is, is we don't. We don't forget. Instead of forgetting, see, forgetting is something we associate with brain damage, okay? Not with forgiveness. Part of moving towards forgiveness is to work to no longer remembering against someone. And those are very different. Forgetting is not the same as remembering against. And I want you to look, look at this real quick. Look at this little uh, cartoon we have here. Jazz, it's not pulling up on mine. You may have to throw it up there. There's, there you go. Look at this cartoon. If you can't read it, it says, you say that you forgave me, Tim, but I can't help but feel that you're still holding a grudge. Look at all his file cabinets, mistakes, peeves, gripes. I mean, he's like cataloging this stuff, right? The things that, yep, I remember when you did this. I remember when you did that. I've got it right behind me. I've got a whole, you know, and, and the truth is, as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 13, love holds no account of those wrongs, right? Love, I'm not saying we naively just forget but we no longer remember against. And that's very, very different. We're not holding that against them. There's not this bitterness inside us. We've been able to cancel that debt. And that's very, very different. And so as we go, as we continue to some of the other ingredients, what's my next ingredient? You've got one back there? Oh, you've got one. I'm sorry, bring that one up. What's yours say? Ooh, I'm going to pull that one out. It says, eliminate consequences. Eliminating consequences. And I think that when we think that we are forgiving someone, that the other one's like, whew, man, I am off the hook. There's no longer going to be any trust issue. They should just, we should just go back to the way it was. How many of you know that's not reality? A bond has been broken, right? They hurt me. We're going to forgive. We're going to no longer remember against them. But there are still some consequences. Kiddos, I don't know about you, when my kids still ask for forgiveness, I, I thank them. I was like, you did the right thing. And my kids know that they, when they own up to the truth, there will not be consequences in punishment, but there will be consequences in how, how, I, how I, I kind of give them decisions for the future, what kind of freedom they'll have. Because that trust has been broken if they've hidden something. But if I find out about something and then they then ask for forgiveness, Sam, this is where I'm like, well, there's still consequences. You did the right thing. Our relationship's restored. I will always love you. But guess what? There's no iPad for the rest of the week. There's no whatever. There's no more this. There's no treats. There's none of that. You know, there's, there's still consequences. And, and as adults, there's still consequences when we've hurt someone, even when we make amends through forgiveness. Teach them not to forget. Teach them not to forget. And so even though there are, there are consequences, those damages... It will take time to see them repaired. The unacceptable behavior needs to be addressed with my kids, right? The forgiveness does not excuse responsibility for their irresponsibility for their behavior. 
And whether forgiveness occurs or not, unacceptable behavior always needs to be addressed. What's the next one? What do you have back there? Bring yours up. Forky's waiting. We're going to start it up real good. Uh-oh. Ooh, denial of pain. When I forgive someone, it's not saying, yeah, now that I've forgiven you, it doesn't hurt. It still does, doesn't it? The reality is, is that that happened, and I'm not going to deny that it happened. And what's the next one that, that we have back there? Brother, you got one? Come on, Nico. And this one goes along with it, the denial of pain. And what does yours say? Ooh, pretending. And I think this is what a lot of us, especially in, in churches, we think, oh, man, I'm, I'm no longer, I've forgiven them, so now I can just put a mask back on and pretend like everything's gone back to normal and we can pretend. But that really negates the process of the healing. And that's what I think can be so dangerous sometimes, is that when we forgive, we think, oh, I've got to forget. But no, it's a journey to no longer remember against someone. And if we pretend in that process and we don't deal with what has really hurt us, then the opposite will actually occur. That hurt will continue and it will fester and forgiveness won't have really happened. Instead, bitterness will just be under the guise of we're okay. And it's not. You see, if canceling a debt is a picture of forgiveness, if that is part of it, then we have to acknowledge that there was a debt, that there was a wrong that was done. We have to acknowledge that something happened, a transaction occurred. You said that you did this before I can even cancel it. If there's no debt, there's nothing to forgive. There's no wrong. There's nothing to make amends over. And pretending will never get us to forgiveness. This is not an element that we should put in there. Abby, you've got our last one. All right, we're close to landing this plane. Ooh, what is that one? Grieving is over. Do you know what that means? Let's talk about it. You ready? Abby, thank you so much. It's grieving is over. Would you give our kiddos a round of, a hand, uh, round of applause there? A round of a hand, whatever that is. So this is what I think a lot of times when we forgive, we think, well, I'm no longer going to grieve what occurred. I'm no longer uh, grieve the, the breach that was in my family relationship. I'm no longer going to be sad about the hurt that was there. The, the grief process is going to be over. And forgiveness does not mean that that process is over or that the people involved no longer feel pain. Forgiveness and grieving are very, very different, and they require different amounts of time, depending on the severity of, of the wound that occurred. And that's what we're going to talk a little bit about next week. Grief is an active process of working through painful feelings associated with losses in ways that will promote healing in our soul. And that, that's a different journey than forgiveness. It happens alongside, but it doesn't mean that I haven't forgiven them if I'm still hurting, if I'm still working through what occurred, if I'm still trying to rebuild that trust. And, you know, this was kind of on the table. I was excited about talking about forgiveness probably about a month and a half ago. I knew exactly for our family service. I was like, this is what I want us to talk about because I think this happens uh, among siblings. This happens regardless of what age you are. This happens between, um, between you and your parents. This happens between, um, between spouses. This happens in the church. This happens among just friends. This happens everywhere we are in relationship because we're not perfect. Hurt will occur. And forgiveness will be necessary if we want to see healthy relationships. And I don't know about you, but I, want to, I believe God wants us to walk in health. I believe that in our marriages, in the church, in parenting, in a family, He wants us to walk in His freedom. 
And forgiveness is a key, key component of that. And when we're stingy with that, man, God can't release his forgiveness in our lives. And that's what Jesus talks about. And I think this is what's really, really powerful. I'm going to land this plane here. He says this in Matthew chapter 6, at the end of the Lord's Prayer, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But, he has a big but here, but if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive you yours. What? Are you serious? Because what he's saying is, how could you love God whom you can't see when you can't love your brother whom you do? That's the way First John would write it. And he's saying here, if you, if you can't extend forgiveness to the people you do see, how can you accept it from a God whom you can't? And, and it's a two-way street here. There's this, there's this vice versa that if you can't give it, you can't receive it. And if you can't receive it, because sometimes one of the hardest things is forgiving ourselves. You know, reality is, is that we hold so much against ourselves, the shame and the guilt, they surmount, and then that spirals into so many other cycles. I see so much, especially in the work that I do week in and week out, of addiction. And addiction can look like so many things. But I believe most addictions stem from some sort of shame and guilt as, as its precipice, as its, as its roots. And I believe that it starts and we don't know how to handle it, and so we try to numb. And we do that through shopping, through eating, through drug, you name it. We understand what addiction is. But God wants to allow us to receive his forgiveness, forgive ourselves, and be able to offer it to others. That's what he does. That's what God does. Bruce, you're still here. Would you mind coming up and playing the piano just for a second? God sees the big picture of our life. And he wants us to be able to extend his forgiveness today. And I believe that, gosh, in a room this size, there's multiple people in our lives that we're working towards this. I know there's people in my family. I've got lunches scheduled this week to just talk about mending relationships within my family. I come from a pretty good family, but there's always this constant tension of needing to have understanding and needing to be understood and walking in grace with one another. And sometimes that just gets really messy. But if we avoid it, it will never happen on its own. We've got to be intentional about extending God's grace, about walking in forgiveness with one another. Because if we continue to walk in the bitterness that is the, the, the result of unforgiveness, then the only one that's going to be affected is us. We'll never flourish. We'll never grow. Our roots will never go deep. We'll never be who God intended us to be because we will stunt at our growth through unforgiveness. How many know this can go back to a, for a lifetime for some of us? It can go back to childhoods. It can go back to yeah, generations that even predated our birth sometimes. Forgiveness that we've not released other people. We've not canceled that debt. We've not acknowledged that it's real. We're still remembering it against them. And I believe God wants us to walk in freedom today through forgiveness. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes? God, we thank you that you're re the redeemer of all things, that you make all things new. And Lord, I just want to pray with folks in this, in this place today. If, if you would say with me, Michael, that's exactly where I'm at right now. God's wanting me to walk in forgiveness and freedom. 
but I'm not willing to, to give it. I've just, it's been so hard. It's been difficult, but this is it. I've got to. It's, it's, a, it's a make or break moment for me. If that's where you're at, would you just raise your hand? I just want to pray with you. If you're ready to extend forgiveness to people that you haven't, if you're ready to have freedom in your lives, Father, I just pray for these right now. The folks that are in this room, myself included, Lord, would you allow us to walk in grace where we can give freedom, where it's been damned up because of our bitterness, because of our hurt, because of our pain. Lord, help us to forgive people that have hurt us. Help us to walk in redemption and and restoration with people that we have hurt. Lord, we are so thankful that that the work and the results are not up to us. But God, we are going to leave them in your hands. We're going to release folks that have hurt us. They're no longer going to hold us back, but we're going to walk in your freedom. An enemy will no longer buy into the lies, the lies that we need to hold it against them. We no longer will buy into the lies that the shame and the guilt are never going to end, but Lord, we are going to walk in your freedom. We thank you that you give us a new way of seeing, a new way of thinking. Thank you for helping us forgive ourselves and releasing others. Thank you, God, for your love, your grace, your forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen. Forgiveness is even more than just a prayer. This is where the rubber meets the road. We walk out of this door, and we have to remind ourselves to not hold things against, to not live out of those bitter roots, but to live out of love and forgiveness. Extend it to your family. Extend it to your friends. Extend it it to those, even your enemies who have hurt you. God's going to give us grace this week. Amen.